0: Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode.
1: With you tonight, it is Ian.
2: And Bonnie.
1: Reason.com has a really interesting story that the Supreme Court is now saying that, and I guess they've been saying it, but they're saying it again, uh, that domestic spying is too secret to be challenged in court.
2: (laughs) What? Their own spying on us? Correct,
1: yep. That's right. That's what they're saying here. Abusive government. This is from J.D. To seal at Reason. Uh, abusive government behavior has again been found too sensitive to national security to face legal challenges in the court system. Last week, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to review a lower court's dismissal of the Wikimedia Foundation's lawsuit against the NSA surveillance program revealed a decade ago by Edward Snowden. With the state secrets privilege barring litigation, that leaves upcoming congressional debates over renewal of the law authorizing the program as the only recourse for civil liberties advocates. So the Wikimedia announced on February 21st, quote, the U.S. Supreme Court denied the Wikimedia Foundation's petition for review of its legal challenge to the NSA's upstream surveillance program.
2: Sorry, it doesn't matter if it's legal what we're doing because we can't have you finding out what we're doing.
1: Correct. We can't even allow a court hearing to talk about what is going on, to challenge in any way what these people are doing. Under this program, they say, the NSA systematically searches the content of Internet traffic entering and leaving the United States, including Americans' private emails, messages, and web communications. Supreme Court's denial leaves in place a divided ruling from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, which dismissed Wikimedia's case based on the government's assertion of the so-called state secrets privilege. So this is once again the federal government telling you that there is no accountability, that they can do whatever they want to do, and that you have absolutely no recourse through the courts, because normally they say, oh, well, you can just tell, tell it to the judge. You know, take your oh, yeah, take it to, to the court. court. You, know, you can't do that uh, with this particular issue. And, you don't
2: like what they're doing. Just take it to court.
1: And anything else that would uh, be labeled state secrets. So, I mean, that could uh, certainly that's anything related to the CIA. Sounds it's, a
2: lot like police. Uh, what is it? Police not investigations. Police activities are going on over here.
1: And so, uh, you know, this is, I guess people probably shouldn't be surprised about this if they've been paying attention to how the federal government behaves, but there's probably some people in our audience out there that thought that the court system was some sort of way that they were able to get, you know, justice, uh, to, to hold government bureaucracies accountable for well, breaking course their is. own it's, rules. it is. It's
2: called the justice system.
1: That's what they say. But it's also the just us system, according to some. And so... You know, this is frustrating, I think, for for people out there. And I think it should be another point that people need to consider when they start thinking about secession, because you're not going to get Congress to do anything about this. Okay, it's been a decade now since Edward Snowden revealed it was it was 2013, Mm. uh, the summer of 2013. That's when Edward Snowden revealed the NSA spying, which, of course, a lot of us knew was going on anyway, but he made it official we knew for a fact he had the receipts you know he had the documents he had the uh, the evidence of it and it's a decade later so the idea that all of a sudden congress is going to step in and stop the NSA from doing what it is that they've been doing for however many you know decade plus long years that it's been going on is absolutely absurd the fact is, the any Republican talking about abolishing the FBI is just full of it. They're just saying that so you will vote for them, thinking they're going to do something about the FBI. And-, and
2: only now, while you know Republicans maybe still are mad at the FBI for going and raiding Trump's house, yes, not they are. they're not going to be even saying that they're going to abolish the FBI in like ten years when the Republicans forget about that.
1: Yeah, well, they, they as soon as they get back in control. Then, all of a sudden, they'll they'll change out the FBI director, whoever it is. I don't know who it is right now, but they'll switch him out to one of their guys, and they'll say, problem solved. Our new guy, he's going to come in there. And he's going to clean house. We've got one of our Republican FBI guys. He's now in charge of the agency. And he's going to get rid of all those Biden bad FBI agents, Biden loving agents. And they're going to clean it up. And then they're going to go after the Democrats.
2: Because it's just the Democrats.
1: And that's not going to solve the problem. That's not going to lessen uh, the tyranny and these Republicans don't really want to get rid of the police because they love the police. It's just a it's just a show. They, they want people to believe that they're going to do something to change D.C. when all the evidence suggests that they're part of making D.C. worse. They, it's they obviously what
2: Trump was doing. Trump ran on uh, draining the swamp and he got in there and played a bunch of, you know, disgusting people in swamp his cabinet. Monsters. Yeah. And then didn't change anything. Didn't shrink the size of government at all.
1: No, no, and no, nor did. And by the way, the Republicans were in charge during the first couple of years of Trump, until the midterms. So they could have, you know, they could have repealed the uh, the IRS code. They could have gone in there and gotten rid of these government bureaucracies. But they didn't. They were the ones who, uh, along with the Democrats, passed the Patriot Act in two thousand and one to create the Department of Homeland Security to create the TSA. And to uh, aggregate more power to these agencies.
2: I mean, when Trump was in power, they could not have even done like the little simple things that lots of Americans want, like, you know, term limits and make them read the bills.
1: would that require a constitutional amendment? I don't know. Term limits?
2: Does that mean that they couldn't have done it under Trump?
1: Probably not. You would need to have, I think, three-fourths of Congress vote for, if I recall correctly, a constitutional amendment. But if they had the
2: majority, wouldn't that have basically happened?
1: No, you wouldn't have had three-fourths.
2: Well, whatever, I'm not...
1: Or two-thirds. Or I don't know
2: exactly how things get passed, but I'm just saying yeah. they could have done little things like that The all Republicans are always at, begging for. Sure, they that could have. they think will really change things. I don't think they'd really change things. Term limits, anything like that.
1: Wikimedia argues the NSA surveillance discourages people from using Wikimedia's Wikipedia to research sensitive topics for fear of attracting government attention. The organization points to a 2016 article in the Berkeley Technology Law Journal that reported, quote, a statistically significant immediate decline in traffic for privacy-sensitive Wikipedia articles after June of 2013, but also a change in the overall secular trend in view count traffic, suggesting not only immediate, but also long-term chilling effects resulting from the NSA PRISM online surveillance revelation. So, My understanding of what that says here is that there were certain—whatever privacy-sensitive Wikipedia articles means—I'm not sure what they're talking about. Are are those articles about privacy technologies or something? But it sounds like they're saying people stopped looking for that information, that people were afraid to go and search for those articles, to go and look at those articles, because they didn't want to be seen on some sort of list— as someone who was looking for that. And again, without knowing exactly which articles they're referring to, it's kind of hard to uh, to speculate further. Maybe
2: they didn't want to get on a list by putting it in their article.
1: It, possibly. Uh, in court, federal attorneys ins- insisted the NSA surveillance programs are such secret squirrel stuff that national security secret would squirrel? suffer. Yeah, it's a cartoon character reference. There was one, I forget which, I don't know if it was... Uh, I, is I think it's it like a Hanna Barbera yeah. thing
2: if I'm I just, I just wasn't sure if that's it's like what it a said.
1: spy a spy squirrel I think was the character but Never I think his name it. was secret squirrel uh, that national security would suffer if the nation's snoops were compelled to explain how their activities can possibly square with constitutional protections for individual rights and the court bought it Reuters reported in 2021 that, quote, in a divided ruling on Wednesday, the so- a Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals said that the lawsuit must be dismissed after the government invoked the state secret's privilege, which meant that a full exploration of the issue in a court would damage national security. The decision was left to stand last week by the Supreme Court. And as pointed out here, uh, according to-
2: Like, people are just going to die if we find out what NA- NSA is doing. No, people won't die. You just might... Get you know people seeing what you're doing. I I was gonna say lose your job, but probably not.
1: No, yeah, federal government bureaucrats not likely to lose their jobs uh, because they were just doing what they were told to do. Right? Mm -hmm. Somebody made this decision. Somebody high up implemented this program. I don't know if it was Congress or or uh, the NSA just did it on their own volition because a lot of these bureaucracies have the ability to just kind of you know write their own regulations and such. It was a a Hanna Barbara squirrel. Yeah, from
2: 1965.
1: Uh, he says, As I pointed out before, state, state secrets privilege has a sketchy history evolving from bad official behavior after a 1948 plane crash that's killed several children observers. Sorry, civilian observers. Oh. While the observers widows sued in United States versus Reynolds, the government argued that information about the plane was too secret to be revealed in court, which turned out to be a complete lie, wow. concealing official negligence. I mean, that's way. so
2: obvious that they can use... It's too secret to go to court anytime they want to hide something. Yep. I mean, that's so obvious.
1: Absolutely. And the more they get away with it, the more they're going to get away with it. They Because nothing could just point to all the cases where, well, this is state secrets. See, you guys backed us up here, and we're going to say it's state secrets now, so you can't overturn it. And it's
2: like decisions. when people like David from New Mexico call in and say, listen, the Constitution is great. And it's all we need. All we need is to get back to the Constitution. It's like, when was state secret privilege ever put into the Constitution? And when did the never. you know Congress vote on letting the federal government have the power of state secret privilege? Like, everything that's not enumerated goes to the states. And I, I mean, even I don't want the states to have secret powers, right. you know, privilege either. But it's just like, no one ever gave the I never gave that to the federal government. They get state secret privileges and I don't know anybody who would vote for that.
1: Yeah. the Well, at least as far as the state government is concerned, the New Hampshire government has, I believe it's Article 8 of the New Hampshire Constitution's Bill of Rights that specifies that the New Hampshire government should be open and accountable. Yeah. So that sort of contradicts the whole idea of having state secrets. I don't know if the U.S. Constitution has anything similar in it, but obviously it doesn't matter. Yeah. You At this point, you cannot challenge... Things that are labeled as state secrets, so you're going to likely see more and more and more being labeled as state secrets. Oh, we can't talk about this program or that program because national security. The Supreme Court agreed that some things are too sensitive to reveal in legal proceedings and gave officialdom a free pass to invoke the phrase national security as a shield against accountability. And that disturbs even some of the modern members of the Supreme Court, while not entirely modern, the ones that are currently there. He was referring to how it goes all the way back to 1948. Oh. While not entirely questioning the existence, this is by the way from Reason.com, of the state secret's privilege, it is, quote, no blunderbuss and courts may not flee from the field at its mere display, unquote. This according to Neil Gorsuch, who's one of the current justices in a dissent joined by Sotomayor, to the majority's invocation of the privilege in a case called United States versus Zubaydah. They said recent history reveals that executive officials can sometimes be tempted to misuse claims of national security to shroud major abuses and even think. ordinary negligence from public view. So, yeah, anything they don't want you to know about, they just say, well. it's." Was a- there
2: a but in that sentence or were they just like, yeah, they'll do that?
1: Well, these are dissenters, so oh. uh, not everybody on the court agrees. Of course, that's typical with courts. They rarely uh, agree unanimously. That case involved detention and torture at a black site in Poland. Under circumstances, the government clearly found embarrassing. The Wikimedia lawsuit involved It's
2: so embarrassing that we tortured people.
1: Well, right, and the only way that this stuff gets out is when you have people who are willing to put their careers... And their freedom on the line, like Edward Snowden or whoever it was that revealed this particular case, uh, like Seymour Hersh, the reporter who just revealed that the U.S. government was behind the Nord Stream pipeline explosion. He Mm. has a source inside the government. Now, Hersh is protecting his source, so we don't know who that person is. But you better believe the U.S. government is looking actively Mm. to find out who that person is because they are telling the truth. About what the government actually did, which maybe is, the source
2: was just Joe Biden six months prior when he was like, "We will blow up the pipeline."
1: <laughs> no, they actually I'm had joking. some some pretty insider information. It was a really detailed report, but it's because of those people that we're only that we're able to find out the little bit that we're able to hear about the the little bit of evidence that has come out. I mean, because what Snowden revealed certainly seemed sig- and it was significant. But it's only scratching the surface of what these people are doing all around the planet. Again, we're talking about a case here, Zabayada, which involved a black site in Poland and detention and torture. Of course, we know about... So the
2: United States was torturing people
1: in Poland? Yeah, it was probably one of those uh, rendition situations, which we learned about you know, 15 years ago, where the U.S. government will take somebody they want tortured... But because it's illegal for the U.S. government to do the torturing, they'll hand them off to some other government, and then the other government can do the torturing on behalf of the U.S. government, and it's completely legal. Oh. Yeah. That's moral. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court decision leaves little recourse for determining the extent of domestic surveillance by the NSA and seeking its termination. The spy agency says it cut back after, quote, inadvertent compliance incidents related to queries involving U.S. person information, whatever that means. But that leaves the public taking the NSA at its word and wondering just what is going on behind the scenes. Edward Snowden revealed just how far we should trust the intelligence apparatus. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act Section 702, which authorizes the upstream surveillance at issue in the Wikimedia case, is up for reauthorization this year, and the NSA would very much like to retain its broad power. It faces calls for reform from civil libertarians outside of government, but also from Republicans and Democrats concerned about intrusive spying on Americans. Quote, while while surveilling foreign targets under the FISA Act, the government collects exabytes of data i don't even know how many bytes is an exabyte that's bigger than anything i've heard of
2: i've never heard that word
1: <laughs> you know you've heard of gigabytes, gigabytes or terabytes terabytes so are
2: supposed to be huge and exabytes, exabytes somewhere bigger?
1: bigger than that uh according to thomas massey of course he's one of the few objecting to this quote the constitution requires a warrant to query that vast database for americans and warrantless spying now he said Similarly, Ron Wyden, a Democrat from Oregon, has long called for the intelligence community to reveal how many Americans it sweeps up and for curbs on such snooping. With the litigation against domestic spying thwarted by the invocation of state secrets privilege, Congress, for all its many faults, may be the last line of defense. Well, that's very optimistic on the part of J.D. seal over at Reason, but anyone who has been paying attention, and he certainly should have been, I suspect he has been, uh, would know that there is no hope for this. Caller, you are on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Pretty well.
3: Yes, it's Dana. Dana, you're on the air. Up here in Maine. Welcome, sir. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I listen to you guys uh, quite frequently. I, I get your uh, LRN network um, through another feed, and I, I listen to you guys Super quite a bit. Nice. And I, I've noticed that um, you were talking about the Republican Party earlier, and mm-hmm. I was wondering why. It is, it, it really puzzles me. Um, and it seems to me that many people who call themselves libertarian support the stinking Republican Party. Well, and, I don't.
2: I wasn't saying anything supportive about them.
3: No, no, I know you guys. Oh, okay. it, but I'm just saying that it just in general, the, uh, some people on your network, um, uh, I frequently hear them, uh, the supposed libertarian, uh, libertarians uh parroting the Republican line, hmm. you know, about how the election was stolen, about how Republicans support freedom more than the Democrats do. Yeah, that's yeah I would a have to
2: agree. I would have to agree that it's annoying to me as well that lots of libertarians just seem to think, oh, the Republicans are more on our side. I would say we're equally in agreement with some things with the Democrats that the Republicans are complete enemies with us about, as we are in agreement with some things on the things that the Republicans side with us on, but ultimately both of them would have us be put in jail or you know murdered or whatever if we didn't uh, pay the taxes they want or if we didn't you know do the other things they want.
3: Yeah, I agree. I I just it it uh, I was listening. I I think it was. Um... I think, and I like Ernie Hancock, but he's got a couple of guys on there that that uh, uh, come on and uh, just basically he's got one guy on there that talks about Donald Trump
4: mm-hmm. like
3: he's some kind of a uh, you know a savior, a god or something. I mean, he's a stinking yeah. puppet, just like the rest of them. Yeah, that's, I agree. that's and, true, uh, and, I, and I share came. your
1: frustration because uh, this is one of the reasons why I left the Libertarian Party back in two thousand eight. Now I subsequently rejoined it last year because they started to shift their messaging and they've gotten more principled and they've started promoting the Free State Project. But one of the things that really frustrated me was they kept electing these Republicans. These these washed-up Republicans would go and run for uh, president under the Libertarian banner, and the Libertarian Party kept on nominating them. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? These people aren't actual Libertarians. It's
3: That's I, why I left the Libertarian Party yeah. in 2008 when they put in uh, Bob Barth yep yeah no, it was right before
1: it. Bob Barr. That's when I resigned.
2: I hate that lots of libertarians, even not the ones like with any say in the party, but just like people on the street that are libertarians. I really hate that they think that, oh, we just have more in common with Republicans like it's speak nonsense. for yourself. I don't have anything in common with Republicans. I mean even the things that they say they believe in, they don't get any of it done. They don't make the government smaller
3: exactly i was I was talking one the other day was talking about um gun rights. You know, this Republican was, and, you know, I'll, I'll agree that uh, um, certainly uh, some Republicans anyway, uh, although up here in Maine, it's pretty close, but mm-hmm. uh, they do tend to favor gun rights and or see them in it more of a way than like I do. But the uh, agitation for uh, gun rights that the Democrats uh, is, a lot of it comes from the stinking war on drugs and the mm-hmm. violence associated with that. If you are
1: someone who is frustrated with the lack of accountability, of the federal government, then you must ask yourself, are you also ready to secede from the United States? And if you're not, then what's your plan? Like, how are you going to change this? Are you going to vote harder? Are you going to vote for somebody different in 2024? Somebody else besides the Republicans and Democrats and who they put up? Because I'll tell you what, the Libertarians aren't going to win.
2: Oh, well, I can't stick my neck out and possibly get any... You know, heat comes out on me because I have children and I love them. So I want them to grow up in a more and more tyrannical world until they're slaves.
1: That was literally an opinion of somebody who called this weekend.
2: Wow, I mean, I've heard um, it a million times.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't say voting is sticking your neck out. But the problem, I wasn't of talking course, about voting. But the problem, of course, is that you don't have anyone to vote for. No one who's running for Congress, for the most part, with the exception of maybe Thomas Massey or something. No one who's running for Congress is seriously going to reform anything. It's just not going to happen. So, uh, in other news, you know what can you what can you do about this? Well, you can start talking about independence, and you can start working towards independence in whatever state you happen to be. If you're a libertarian, then you really ought to get to New Hampshire. If you're a conservative, you ought to move to Texas. If you're a liberal, you ought to move to California. Those are probably the three hottest you know most successful uh, secession movements out there and so if you truly believe that independence is the solution to getting out from under the federal government's oppressive uh, oppressive thumb then you should be in one of those three places depending on what your politics are texas is doing very very well there's a lot of people in texas who support the question of independence for texas like i think the poll last year showed sixty six percent of texans supported independence if i recall correctly i don't know if california has been polled on that question specifically new hampshire was like 29 percent uh, but you know i don't want to live in texas so we want the, the uh we, oh, well, i don't want to live in a They've conservative place like that.
2: years of uh you know like their uncle used to always talk about how we need to secede because of the secession has been conversation longer there because of the fact that they did secede or mm-hmm. whatever I know, I went. To, I had Texas history in seventh grade. And I did they it. secede
1: from Mexico? I don't know. Is that what it was?
2: I really, I really don't know.
1: In Arizona, you're on Free Talk Live, CW.
5: Hey, how's it going? Hey, K-PoS. what's on your mind tonight? Um, man, we miss a San Francisco man on our show.
1: Oh, does he call your? Did he used to call your local shows?
5: Oh my God! In the height of the COVID pandemic, the supposed pandemic, he would call and rattle on some. Stupid statistics about (laughs) San Bernardino County, where our station's located. Oh, you know, your numbers are up and this and that, and you should blah, blah, blah. I got
2: this from factcheck.com.
5: He would fearmonger every day about COVID and COVID. Oh, my God. I just don't understand why these people
2: who are so afraid can't just go be afraid in their own houses. Why do they need other people to be so afraid?
5: Well, I'm sure he's cowering in his house alone with nobody (laughs) wearing wearing a mask. mask. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I'm just it's nice to hear his voice again. You know, is, the voice of reason.
2: He's my least favorite <laughs> caller, and that's saying a lot. I uh,
1: I don't mind it when he calls him because I like hearing from people that don't agree with us, and I understand he well, can be it's hostile. Different
2: to be, it's different to talk to somebody who just doesn't agree with us but is well, yeah, open to hostile. talking. He's just an a-hole.
1: Yeah, a lot of times he well, won't listen, have a conversation. That's true.
5: I, I'm yelling at you guys through my radio, but you can't hear it. I disagree with you guys a lot. But you know what? That's what's fun about this live stuff, you know?
3: Yeah.
2: All right. Well, that's the point yeah, of calling in not, it's just like what, i don't yeah, like being yeah, talked yeah. to like um an idiot from an idiot who what, what winning
1: you, <laughs> cw what were you yelling at the radio about tonight
5: oh no not tonight just sometimes when oh, okay. people talk on your show i just want to yell and yell you know just you should call in <laughs> and, yeah, and just, just call think. in man disagree can... <laughs> i
2: mean you seem like a cool guy who wouldn't just call in and say like libertarians god
5: <laughs> well you know what i'm not much i'm not much of a political type of guy anyways i just I just really know I hate listening to left-wing radio. That is some of the worst crap in the world.
1: David in San Francisco isn't wrong in the point that companies do tend towards lowering costs, right? Like, oh, okay, well, we don't need the caboose anymore, so we're just going to get rid of that. And I'm sure they had their their reasons for that. But certainly cost-cutting is an important aspect of making sure your profits are as large as possible. But the thing
2: he doesn't understand is if it was just a you know, a a market without regulations, they couldn't just go lobby the government and be like, this is what we want to do. We'll do this. You give us X. Instead, they would have to actually have repercussions for the things they were doing.
1: Well, and that's where I wanted to go with it was that in the uh, the regulated marketplace they can like you said lobby the government for special favors and that's one area that i'm just not clear on in this particular case of what kind of protections these railroad companies are actually given by the government regulations because they most assuredly do exist uh but i just don't know what it would be an interesting like libertarian kind of investigative journalism story and maybe reason or somebody is is working on something like this to to you know kind of tell the whole story about well how was it government regulations actually led to this these train derailments being more likely right like who's who's really dropping the ball here and and why is it being dropped Uh, so according to a daily mail article norfolk southern has given just 3.8 million dollars in aid directly to the citizens of east palestine as top brass tell its investors that its insurance covers up to $1.1 billion in liability. So apparently there would be a lot of money here in theory under their insurance policy that they have, but yet they've only paid out $3.8 million. So why is it that the coverage isn't covering more? What is it that, you know, how is the government's involvement in this this industry which is as you pointed out bonnie a regulated industry you know train travel uh how is government involvement limiting their liability in some way and again i don't have the answers to this i'm not asking you uh, i'm not suggesting you might know either but um, it is clearly something here they point out that the ceo of norfolk southern got 4.36 million dollars in 2021 so the amount of money paid to the people of east palestine hasn't even hit the amount of money they pay their CEO in one given year. So why is it is not uh, you know all the way up to a billion dollars? They're probably relying on some sort of assessor. I presume it's the insurance company themselves. But again, who knows what level of government regulatory uh, involvement there is in the insurance side of this business? If the railway industry was actually operating in a free market, then. I think we would see a more robust insurance situation. Like if it was uh, Norfolk Southern's fault, because remember, I've heard about the Sparks too. Our caller David mentioned the Sparks. I'm sure you've heard about that or seen some of the images of yeah. that. Um, and that's that was a thing with this particular train. It, I think it got noticed after the fact. I don't know if anybody noticed it during the, the Sparks happening. But, uh, you know, that sort of thing, maybe the company would take it more seriously if it knew that it would be held up to the 1.1 billion on this insurance policy, because usually what'll happen, right? Like if you have an insurance policy and you violate that policy, if the insurance company comes in and said, "Well, you guys had this these sparks from the the you know whatever it was that was causing it," and
2: you did nothing about it, you didn't.
1: You could have found it if you were doing your regular inspections that you're supposed to do under our insurance coverage, but. You cut the jobs, the people that were doing the inspections, or whatever, right? Like I'm speculating on right. what what might have happened here, and then the insurance company is going to raise their rates. They're going to increase the amount of money that they have to pay to continue to cover uh, this company, and or possibly cancel their coverage entirely. And then if they're uninsured, they wouldn't be able to operate their their business. So uh, again, this- or
2: in a free, completely free society uninsured trains wouldn't get customers like the people who were right. uh, the
1: whoever hired them to move their product would right not they would hire just be them. like
2: i don't want to transport my materials with an uninsured uh company and if they yeah. did and something like east palestine happened well people will probably be able to get more repercussions than a thousand dollars yeah these people
1: i mean it could potentially sink the company some sort of disaster like this so Yeah, we don't have a free market in this particular area, and you and I at least don't know all the details on how ugly the underbelly of the regulatory system is for this. But people like David, they cannot see freedom as the answer. So, Bonnie, you were telling us that apparently the Biden administration is teaming up with the WHO and they're going to give them, according to the Epic Times some sort of level uh, a higher level of influence i guess over what the pandemic related policies are here in the united states even though the u.s cdc was basically working hand in hand with the w.h.o during covid i guess the what they're saying in this story and I, I think you have a little more you wanted to share but what they're saying is this will somehow increase their ability to control what goes on in the united states
2: Yeah, the United States government was having a discussion with the WHO about that. And it says these discussions and others spawned the zero draft of a pandemic treaty. So that's the name of the the zero draft Hmm. published on February 1st, which now seeks ratification by all 194 WHO member states. A meeting of the WHO's intergovernmental negotiating body is scheduled for February 27th to work out the final terms which members will then sign. Written under the banner of the World Together Equitability... Never heard heard that word.
1: Equitably.
2: The World Together Equitably. Equitably? Equitably. The Zero Draft grants the WHO the power to declare and manage a global pandemic emergency. Once a health Hmm. emergency is declared, all signatories... Including the United States would submit to the authority of the WHO regarding treatments, government regulations such as lockdowns and vaccine mandates, global supply chains, and monitoring and surveillance of populations.
1: So wait, read that to me one more time because I was actually just pulling up the WHO's own website talking about the zero draft. So go, <laughs> well, go what ahead.
2: about wait, wait, wait? I thought that the um, fact check com yeah. said this isn't true. <laughs>
1: Anyway, what is it that uh, once that a, last sentence?
2: Once a health emergency is declared, all signatories, including the United States, mm-hmm. would submit to the authority of the WHO regarding treatments. So, treatments for mm-hmm. COVID nineteen, for example, government regulations such as lockdowns and vaccine mandates, global supply chains, and monitoring and surveillance of populations. Disturbing. The question of whether an international treaty has the power to dictate domestic policy without lawmakers' approval is a contentious one. Quote, Treaties don't override our Constitution, wrote Rep. Thomas Massey from Kentucky on Twitter. If a treaty purports to supersede our Constitution, that treaty is unenforceable, Massey wrote. Mm -hmm. But others are wary of international agreements that could centralize authority or the response to pandemics. Quote, They want to see a... Centralized vaccine and medication-based response and a very restrictive response in terms of controlling populations, unquote.
1: Is that Massey again?
2: David Bell, a public health physician and former WHO staffer specializing in epidemic policy, or epidemic policy told the Epic Times. Hmm. They get to decide what is a health emergency, and they are push- putting in place a surveillance mechanism that will ensure that there are potential emergencies to declare.
1: It's hard to imagine things being any worse than they were in COVID. I mean, because it seemed like everyone was playing by the same playbook anyway. Uh, I know the WHO came out at one point and claimed that they, I don't know if they said they were wrong about lockdowns, but they said that lockdowns were not working in the way that, uh, that they had hoped that they would work. But that's not to say that they wouldn't try that again. If, you know, if they had the opportunity, it's just like, Things were so homogenous. Maybe they just across. need to
2: do it harder. Maybe they just need to lock down harder. I mean, yeah. regular regulations don't work; haven't been working. So we need to regulate harder.
1: Well, that would be the answer of people like uh, David, who and, called. Yeah, lockdowns
2: earlier. don't haven't been working. So we need to lock down harder.
1: Well, uh, and that didn't work in China either. They they locked down hard in China, and people finally took to the streets and uh, protested those lockdowns, and then they they reversed them. So, of course, if people aren't willing to go along to get along, if they're not willing to obey all these uh, restrictions, then they just won't have any effect. But it's just like it's hard to imagine things being even more homogenous. I mean, the things the restrictions between country to country were so similar. I mean, there were minor differences across the entire world Almost every country was forcing people to wear masks. Almost every country had international travel restrictions. I mean, it was all seemingly coming from the same playbook. So, I mean, this certainly doesn't sound good, but it's hard to believe that this could be worse than... I mean, it seems like they're already doing what the WHO wants them to do, so I'm not really sure what this changes.
2: It'll just be coming from the WHO instead of the United States, basically, because... Um, I mean, this physician, Merrill Nass, told the Epic Times, if these rules go through as currently defined, I, as a doctor, will be told what I am allowed to give a patient and what I am prohibited from giving a patient. But that was already Wasn't happening. That, yeah, that's yeah, my point. The United States was already doing that. So I do see your point.
1: Here's the actual uh, press release from the World Health Organization, WHO.INT. This is from back in December. They're talking about the meetings that are happening right now. Uh, with this zero draft that you mentioned, Bonnie. And this is, uh, who's speaking here? This is one of the co-chairs of this organization, Ms. Matsososo. She said, The impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on human lives, economies, and societies at large must never be forgotten. The best chance we have today as a global community to prevent a repeat of the past is to come together, In the spirit of solidarity in a commitment to equity, there's that word again, and in the pursuit of health for all and develop a global accord that safeguards societies from future pandemic threats.
2: Because it was such a threat last time. It was such a big deal.
1: Oh yeah, a cold that killed 0.01% or something of the people. The same amount of people died
2: uh, as normally die. It's just that we didn't call it the flu this time. yeah. So, we need to protect the world from that again, ever happening again.
1: She said that government representatives stressed that any future pandemic accord would need to take into account equity, strengthen preparedness, ensure solidarity, and promote a whole of society and whole of government approach, whatever that means, and respect the sovereignty of countries. I mean, this just sounds like a load of garbage. Yeah, that's to just
2: me. garbage. I mean, this is the opposite of respecting the sovereignty of countries right. when you disregard what. The people who are being ruled by these countries uh, say and just go above even the governments that they supposedly elected and just make laws for their doctors to follow. That doesn't even make sense. This lady is uh, on crack.
1: Well, they're just trying to cover for what's really going on, which is the total centralization and control of health policy. it's, It's really scary stuff. So once again, what's the answer here? The answer is to get out. Not every country in the world is on board with this. I don't know which countries are, but I suspect it's the bigger ones. You know, there were a couple of countries out there during COVID that actually had kind of went their own way, right? Was it was it Sweden that uh, wasn't really cracking down on all of the mandates? I know Belarus was one of the freer uh, places as far as COVID is concerned. Yeah, maybe concerned. Sweden too. It was, I believe, it was Sweden at least for some time. I think they ended up getting worse as uh as things went on but it's it's been a while so there were a couple there were you know, and by the way i'm not saying belarus is some sort of bastion of of human freedom it's certainly not but on that particular issue the authoritarian dictator in belarus was relatively okay um so it is uh it's i mean the only solution here is to get out from the united states they're not going to be decentralizing power down to your local medical board or your individual doctors in any given area. They're going to threaten these doctors, and they're going to tell them, if you don't get on board with what the WHO says, we're going to strip you of your medical license.
2: And forget people who are healers that work outside of the traditional medical establishment.
1: Well, they haven't managed to... to criminalized that quite yet as much as the traditional medical establishment might like to make those people illegal those people do still exist and they are still able to you know to do their practice they're just not allowed legally to make certain claims right so they can't they can't say well if you take the this bark from this tree over here and you brew some tea with it that'll cure cancer even if it does cure cancer they're not allowed to actually say that Because then the FDA will come in and destroy their livelihoods.
2: Well, this says that the WHO pandemic, uh, the WHO pandemic agreement calls for member states to implement, quote, One Health surveillance.
1: Oh, that sounds lovely.
2: One Health, like the the, O and the H is capitalized, it's like the name of the surveillance, is a concept that has been embraced by the United Nations, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the World Bank, and other global organizations.
1: Well, and now you've got the news coming from the Wall Street Journal, I guess, yesterday, where they say the Department of Energy has now concluded with low, confi- <clears throat> excuse me, low confidence that the coronavirus most likely came from an accidental lab leak in China. The agency previously said it was unsure of how the virus originated, but now you've got the other government agencies in the form of the White House coming out in downplaying what the department of energy is saying now national security council spokes bureaucrat john kirby said the u.s government and intelligence committee have not reached a definitive conclusion quote there's not a consensus right now in the u.s government about exactly how covid started he said during a white house press briefing there is just not an intelligence community consensus so what you have happening here is there was Big news, and you've seen it being passed around. I'm sure on social media, this this headline about you know U.S. Department of uh, Energy saying that coronavirus came from a lab.
2: Well, I didn't even see a headline. I just saw people talking about it. So yeah, that's well, there's as much headlines. As I know about it.
1: It was uh, the Wall Street Journal that was reporting this, and so that's been getting passed around. And so, of course, the White House has to go out and fact check their own government agency and say, "Whoa, what we don't know." where this came from we don't know where the department of energy is coming from when they're saying this and we think that you should take that with a grain of salt because our national security council doesn't really know there's no definitive conclusion so the cover-up is already underway for this according to the report from the wall street
2: did did they check factcheck.com
1: well i don't know if it was on it's probably on factcheck.com well if the white house just
2: checked factcheck.com then they would get their answer
1: uh, I suspect the White House is running factcheck.com yeah. or has somebody uh, inside their staff. But according to the report from the Wall Street Journal, the Energy Department has joined the FBI in pinning the origin on the lab leak theory for other intelligence agencies. And the National Intelligence Council believed the route was natural transmission from animal to human. The Energy Department reportedly changed its evaluation based on... Why
2: doesn't it pass from animal to human anymore? I mean, like, I've never heard of an animal dying of COVID. Like, I remember at the beginning... There was some
1: fear-mongering in the beginning. Oh, God, your dogs and your cats.
2: I used to always take Coconut with me to, like, uh, my dog to, like, Walmart and stuff. And during COVID, I was not taking him anywhere because I was afraid he was going to get COVID and die. And that doesn't happen, apparently.
1: Yeah, um, you never heard anything about that. I mean, if yeah, there, yeah, yeah. I never heard if, any if of them was, die. Yeah, if there was any kind of death to animals, that would be on the front pages. I mean, people, people care more. never
2: sick. He's never been sick.
1: Yeah, people care more about animals in a lot of cases than they do other human beings. So if, if dogs were dying from this, we would have heard about it. Uh, the Energy Department changed their evaluation based on new intelligence that was shared with other agencies, which didn't alter their stances. When asked if the new intelligence will be shared with the public, the spokes bureaucrat said that, quote, if we have something that we believe can be reported to Congress and to the American people that we're confident in, we'll absolutely do that, he said. The State Department weighed in Monday saying that China has been blocking investigations into the origin of COVID-19 for years, asked whether there are any plans to go beyond asking for their compliance. Their bureaucrat said that regardless of what the issue is, we don't typically get ahead policy responses before they're announced publicly so yeah you can trust the federal government they'll tell you the truth about this eventually so uh you you know it's kind of an interesting situation here where the the energy department at the federal government has a completely opposite view of the government's head agencies at uh probably just haven't gone.
2: uh you know talked to yet about the, what the official line's going to have to be, and then they're going to change their story.
1: Yeah. How did they not get, you know, all on the same page? That's, that's really unusual to have, you know, different government agencies, the federal government In that sharing case, differing opinions.
2: Maybe it's just that they want to somehow, uh, if they're going to come out and eventually say, yep, it was a lab leak and it was a Chinese person's fault or a Chinese lab's fault.
1: Go ahead, Major. Yeah,
0: this came from the Department of Energy. That's what they're saying. Right. Well, aren't these the same people that told us to we can't have gas stoves? Mm, maybe I so. Think so. Yeah, they caused all this death through this virus. Was that the Department or, of Energy
1: or the Consumer Product Safety Commission?
0: Well, I don't know, but they burn dead bodies with natural gas. I mm. do know that. Okay. And uh What does, does that mean? Killing they're killing people and telling us we can't cook our own dead meat. Now I I don't know if I can make sense of any of this.
2: What do you mean that they burn people's bodies with natural gas?
0: Well, how do you think you incinerate people and cremate them? Oh, no, nah. mm-hmm. it doesn't. But we can't have our little ovens. They yeah. can kill all of them if they want to, but we can't cook our damn turkey or I be able heard- to buy seeds in the spring or be able to go on a damn boat ride because of some fictitious freaking disease.
1: I haven't heard any updates on the gas stove uh, situation. Have you heard anything new on that?
0: Well, no, I'm just thinking about the department of energy and who the hell else would abandon.
1: Hmm. It is the consumer product safety commission here. Um, Just pull it up a story from K10.com. It was an appointee on the CPSC Richard Trumka told Bloomberg that the gas stoves pose a hidden hazard and they emit air pollutants quote unquote any option is on the table products that can't be made safe can be banned so it was the CPSC uh, that's doing this and well, they are you know the-
2: more uh regulations bureaucrats
1: that's what they do they're the bu- uh, bureaucrats who ban things like the magnetic balls remember those little that we've got them here in the studio you kind of play with them when you're bored in your your office or whatever those little teeny little uh sculptable magnetic balls those have been prohibited by the the bureaucrats at the cpsc so they that's what they do they oh if something's not safe enough according to them then it can't even be allowed for sale in any way shape
0: or form they probably have benefit because I know those magnetic bracelets years ago were quite popular. You know what I mean? As far oh, as I know what you're talking the about, one. the
1: bracelets. Yeah, no, no, these are different. These are like these little office toys, basically.
0: Yeah, but if you're playing with these little yik yak things, rolling them around in your hand, you would probably get the same benefit as the bracelets. You're transferring energy. Hmm. Could be. Go ahead, Sarah.
4: Yes, yeah, I just want to say that they wanted to um, have that, Artificial intelligence start monitoring the jailhouse calls now because um, there's, there's a man there was a boyfriend threatening to come out and kill the girlfriend, Monique Gonzalez, when he came out. It was it was all recorded that nobody uh, was mm. monitoring the call. And when he got released, he came out and kicked the door in and uh, knocked on the door and shot her in the face. Wow. You know? So there's a Monique Bill. So um, that's that's the point. Wait, wait, it hold on. The, there's a
1: Monique Bill. Are you talking about? There's a bill in named is after this, her. Is, yeah.
4: Yeah. Right. It's it's, uh, it's called a Monique Bill. Is this just um, New
1: Mexico or national?
4: I, I so right now it's it's uh, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do that for our state, so that because the the calls were not screened. Because if that was the case, he was not... To, it's threatening to... Some, when I come out, I'll kill you. Did mm-hmm. she report it to anyone? Not, huh?
2: Did she report it to anyone?
4: I I do not know about it. It doesn't sound I, I like do it. Not, but, yeah, I, I don't know what happened. And then he got released and he went and killed her. But Damn. it was the, They want the computer to do the screening. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 can it, um, like, sense the trigger words? Uh, like, mm-hmm. I'll kill you... Um, yeah. Or I'll, I'm going to come and hurt you or something. That you're you're with the AI, right? Yeah, they could do that.
1: So the AI could certainly do that. It could easily be done.
2: It just sounds like a horrible idea. Now know, everyone's going to be talking to their prisoner family and friends on the phone. It's going to hang up on them every five seconds because they said happen, something that yeah. rhymes with kill.
4: Uh, or I I'm going There's
1: definitely going to be po- false positives that will occur with this with this situation where somebody will, you know, use the term bomb or or whatever and, and not in a negative fashion. Oh, I something but,
2: happened today that was the bomb. Right,
1: and then click and you now <laughs> you're banned and now you got to call the warden and you know appeal the the decision, but yeah, know that's not a surprise uh to to hear about Sarah. Certainly you're going to see more automation of things like this as Jail staffs uh, don't have enough people probably to review all calls live, so that's probably what was going on
4: there. Yeah, but I, I, I'm just kind of wondering why, how come, but I think it's a, I think it's a helpful bill. They need to do something like that, you know, but I know that when, when you have a domestic violence that when, they, when they're going to be released, they do notify the person. Mm-hmm. So and so's gonna be released after one week. You no, know, you know, hide out before they come and see you, or be make sure you're in a safe place. I, I mean, this lady was I calling
2: helped. him. She probably
4: well, no, no, couldn't no. Have you can't helped.
1: call into jails, so he was calling her.
4: Oh, right, right. He was calling her. So Which means she was means talking, she was him. talking was coming, to him. Yeah, she so was talking to him. Weird. I don't know. I just
2: think this pro- probably wouldn't have been helped if oh, somebody listened to the call. I mean, like I was saying earlier, there's plenty of times when the police know there are credible threats and they ignore it.
1: That's a good point. I mean, the odds that the police would have been able to do anything for this lady are near to zero, right? They're not going to refuse to let him out, I presume, just because he said something on the phone, although maybe there is a crime there. I don't know. Is it criminal threatening or something like that? I'm not sure. So the research, according to StudyFinds.org, took place at Maynooth University and encompassed 68 undergrad students, 24 men, 44 women, between the ages of 18 and 57. The experiment featured lab tasks which induced stress among the participants, while researchers measured cardiovascular reactivity and recovery in response to the stress. The ensuing results reveal that a state of gratitude predicts lower systolic blood pressure responses throughout the stress testing period. This means, study authors say, that gratitude promotes a unique stress-buffering effect on both reactions to and recovery from acute psychological stress. The team also found that effect balance amplifies the effects of grateful feelings. And what was
2: effect balance again?
1: Yeah, they described effect balance as being the balance of, a positive to negative emotions. So presumably the more positive emotions you feel, the better gratitude works for you. I think that's what they're saying here.
2: Or at least just having a balance where you're not all in the sky all the time or all, you know, negative and depressed all the time.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to really say. It's just this is just an overview of what this study says. In conclusion, study authors believe these findings hold clinical usefulness. uh, usefulness. There are numerous low-cost gratitude interventions that can help promote well-being, improve well-being. For instance, one earlier study found cardiac patients who make the use of gratitude journals...
2: That's what I thought of first. I wasn't sure if they are going to bring that up.
1: ...have better cardiovascular outcomes than those who do not. That's just so
2: simple and so nice.
1: What is a gratitude journal?
2: It's just having a journal. It could be on your phone or anything where every day... You write down like three things you were grateful for that day. It Mm -hmm. shifts your perspective. You have to think back through the day and think about what you were grateful for instead of you know most time all the crappy things that yeah just oh this happened today this happened even on a crappy day you can sit there and write down your three things and you're gonna find three things you were grateful for even if some of the things are on your list every single day it's just good to focus on that like I'm grateful I have my dog coconut and you write that every single day because you can't think of three it's still Better to focus on that than focus on all the bad stuff that happened.
1: Now, this particular study was done on a relatively small sample size. It was only 68 undergraduate students between the ages of 18 and 57. But still, they found what they found. Uh, And then they linked to, when they mentioned the low-cost gratitude interventions, they actually linked to a different study, which was a survey of 2,000 Americans examining the potential connection between being thankful and contentment in life revealed that 65% of respondents who say they're very happy on a daily basis are also more likely to always give thanks. Right. So if you are thankful for the things, which is another way of saying you're expressing gratitude, right? if you're thankful for the good things in your life, then you may be more likely to be a happier person over time. While looking at the correlation between life satisfaction and gratitude, a third of respondents say they regularly make sure to express gratitude in their everyday lives. Of those, 62% note they feel very satisfied with their lives. Now, there's there's different ways that you can express gratitude, right? Like you can do what you're talking about with a gratitude journal where you're focusing kind of within and you're reminiscing about your or looking back on your your recent past and finding things to be grateful for, focusing on the positive things that have happened in your life. And then there's the sort of outward expression of gratitude, right? Instead of just putting it in a journal, you tell someone that you're grateful for them or, you know, for what they did for you or for something that happened that involved them or whatever, just saying that you appreciate that person or their efforts whether it's at the workplace or whether it's a family member or a next-door neighbor or something like that, just a a kind word can really lift somebody out of a slump, right? Like, it it may be, it may seem so, you know, almost pointless, right? Like, oh, it's just a thank you, but it can mean a lot to somebody, especially if that person's been having a crappy day.
2: Yeah, that's why anytime I think like a good or like a compliment towards a woman I try to give it to them Mm -hmm. because it's like a lot of times you might think oh they'll think I'm weird if I say they're pretty but most time they react to it really well
1: yeah I mean most people well I mean so I guess some people can't take a compliment very well but I think you're right probably most people are uh appreciate something nice being said
2: and even if they feel awkward replying that moment I'm sure that they you know are happy that someone complimented them